Welcome to Tesco Podcast. I'm news editor Henry Hepburn. With me is reporter Emma Seath. Hi, Emma. Hello. Our guest today is Ruth Stout. Ruth is head teacher at the primary school in Fair Isle, which has been described as the UK's most remote inhabited island. Around halfway between Orbe and Shetland, it's famous for its bird life knitwear and for inspiring the Shetland series crime novels, now adapted for BBC TV. About 50 people live on Fair Isle, and school role at the moment is three. Ruth moved from London in 1992 to her school, now nearly three decades later, is prepared to retire. Ruth, welcome along. Thank you very much. Welcome to our primary school that you can see behind me. Yeah, at least we escape out with the classroom escape. Cuts too much beyond that. No, it's very foggy today. Ah, right, okay. Not much to see anyway, though. Nothing, nothing to see out of my windows at all today. Okay. Um, and Ruth, for someone who knows very little about or maybe has heard of Fear Isle, how would you describe it? It's a very small island, very beautiful hills. You can always see the sea. Um, small community, very close community. Um, it's a lovely place. Very nice place to live and work. And where does the school fit into that? Um, just if you can try and get a sense of where it is what, and what's in, you know, physically and also maybe more as part of the sort of social fabric of fear. I mean, physically, it's sort of in the centre of the island. It certainly is you know, the centre of the community. Um, we have had a lot more pupils in the school. We're down to one in nursery and two in the school at the moment. And that just involves two families. But this it'll change. It's been that before. We've had a lot more children come in. Um, so it really can become, you know, it is the centre of the community and everybody is really supportive of the school. Fantastic parents and community members come in and do, do activities with the children. Just great. Whereabouts do you, um, do, do you as the head teacher live close to the school when you first arrived? Where, did you have accommodation that was provided to you? How does that work? There is a schoolhouse right next door. I think the children measured it as three metres between the schoolhouse door and the school door. Okay, that's a, that's a nice commute. Yeah, yes, it's nice and easy. I came from London with a very busy commute. Uh, a very short, not too long, not too long a commute, but... Um, in distance, but it used to take me ages driving in London. And then it was two steps and I was in the door. And um, so the schoolhouse is available. Um, I lived there in the 90s until I actually stopped being the head teacher and then I moved on to a croft where I've been ever since. Uh, so it's a lovely house. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that then? So you used to have, so you used to live and work in London. So can you just tell us a little bit more about how you came to work on Fair Isle? Well, I actually grew up on mainland Shetland in Lerwick. Um, my parents moved there when I was 12. So I actually did all my secondary schooling in Shetland. Uh, then I went away to university. And after I finished my teacher training in Aberdeen, I decided... I didn't want to come straight back to Shetland, so I went down to London and taught there for six years. And then it just became the point where I wanted to move back to Shetland. And this job came up um, and I got the position and I've not left. You were a head teacher at first then when you started in Institute, huh? I mean, I wasn't a head teacher. I was just a promoted teacher in a large infant school in North London. In terms of, you know, sort of the way that you were teaching when you were living in London, how have you had, how did you have to adapt your teaching when you moved to Fair Isle? Was there a larger cohort of children at the school at that time? No. In, in London, I taught reception for three years and then I taught um, year two. 
And then when I came to Feral, I had one P1, one P4, and three P7s. So the P7s were quite a shock for me. Um, I hadn't actually taught um, much older children, but I absolutely loved it and still do. I love teaching multi-composite. It's really exciting. And just having that different spread of ages and abilities. I mean, it's massive and it takes a lot of organisation, but it's such good fun. Because I would imagine that people who have, you know, sort of a class size of, you know, sort of, you know, over 20 pupils, they might think that they dream of having a class of three pupils. But presumably, as you say, that comes with its own challenges. It does come with its own challenges. Um, Our numbers have gone up and down and I don't suppose anybody probably envies. We actually went up to 17, 18 children in one class at one point um, and they were P1 to P7 and that's a it's a really enjoyable busy job uh, which takes a lot of organisation and planning but um, it was hard um, organising all those different ages and stages through the school our numbers have just dropped away just now but it can be hard it, it, nursery is just one child which is quite a quite a hard job for the um, LEM support the earlier support worker to do how many staff do you have in the school? Can you just take us through that? I have um, an earlier support worker who solely does um, the nursery, the early learning centre. I have a learning support assistant in the classroom. Um, and I have two instructors who I have for music and art, who are great. And they, they cover me for my admin time because I get time off because I'm a teaching head teacher. So I teach most of the time, but then I have um, admin time. And I also have an, ad, um, an administrative assistant for a few hours a week. Everybody is very much part-time. We're not all here all the time at all, apart from me. And do they all, do they all live on the island or are some of those peripatetic? They all live on the island. Um, the only, and I am the only teacher on the island, so there's no backup there. So if I need... A teacher then I have to get a supply teacher to fly in and stay. And then she goes again. Who are, and I've got a lovely supply teacher who comes in whenever I ask. If I need to leave for meetings or not that that's happened during COVID, obviously, but uh, it's all been Zoom or Teams. I'm just fascinated by some of the practicalities. I mean, uh, I, I come from a family with a, a number of teachers as well. So uh, I know uh, I do love the job, but I know that the, it's nice to get away from the job sometimes as well. And it's a bit of a shock to the system when you stumble into some of your pupils in the supermarket. But uh, how does that work then? Do you, is it easy enough to switch off and to get your mind out of school, but away from school? Or how do you find that? It is because I know it's a small island and if there's any community activities going on or parties, everybody's involved, we're all there. But really, I go home and I'm at home with my family and I'm not really bumping into the children again, but that would be okay if I did. The thing with these children is most of them, I've known them since they were babies. So it's it's very different because um, I've just been here so long. So what would you say are some of the, the maybe the, the best and worst things about working on Fira? It's It's all good. It's just it's just a different way of teaching and living to other places, and it suits some people and it doesn't suit others. We 
one of our main things is to get our children ready for high school because they leave the aisle at 12 to go to the Anderson High School in Lerwick and they have to live in a hostel. And although they still have parental support, obviously they don't have parents to go home to every night. They have hostel staff who are wonderful. So a large part of my job, I think, is we go on school trips, hopefully every term. We stay at the hostel so that the children can get used to the staff and and how the hostel runs so that when they go in P7, it's not so much of a shock to them. We do visits to the high school. That's really important. And we also get to do activities like swimming, meet up with other schools, which is also very important. So the children get used to working with bigger groups of children. Quite hard doing any team games for PE, as you can imagine. We adapt everything to suit numbers and different ages. And that's huge because, as you say, the, the transition from P7 to S1 is, can be a tough time for children, wherever they are. But uh, it's, 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 you know, usually involves a move from a relatively small school to a relatively large school. But here that's magnified, I guess. Uh, also, as you said, do, do, they, do they, the children, when they go up to Ed, when they're in secondary school, they only come home during the holidays or they come home on weekends? Or? They come home every third weekend. Right. And then the holidays, um, and sometimes they don't get, because quite often, like today, you can see the fog outside the window, and we've had no plane since Saturday. This is Wednesday, so uh, we can be very cut off. How often is the weather a factor then? How often does the weather prevent, the, you know, mean that you, people can't travel in or out? I couldn't give you a percentage, but it must be fairly high. We get a lot of fog in the summer, and we get high winds in the winter. Okay, so it's not just the sort of cold winter weather. It can be can happen quite a lot. Yeah, it can happen a lot. January is a particularly bad month for planes. But in the fog, we do have a boat as well that goes to the boat can go. Um, but that helps bring provisions onto the island. And how long is the journey? By I guess by plane is not very long at all, but by boat it must be a quite a quick distance. The boat's two and a half hours to the bottom end of Shetland, and the plane is twenty five minutes to an airport via the. Lerwick. Yeah, and then I guess the boat, even when the boat arrives, you've still got a decent amount to drive to get to Lerwick. Yeah. How long would that take? Um, it's only about three quarters of an hour. Okay, so you're talking about three hours, three and a half hours yeah. door to door, basically? Two, it would be three and a half hours, yes, to get to Lerwick by boat. Uh-huh. I mean, the school children have travelled on that before, but they are meant to be booked on the plane. It just depends. And I guess, I mean, there must be lots of upsides to the, the, the environment there. And actually, many, many years ago, I went to Canada in the Western Isles. Uh, at that stage, the school had one pupil. So you're well, well populated by the by those standards. Um, but, you know, it was an absolutely amazing setting where within a few steps, you had this amazing beach. The beach was basically playgrounds and, uh, you know, there was, there was so much to do. Just the freedom that they had uh, sense of safety and liberation was, was quite striking. Uh, I guess that's fairly similar for yourselves. Uh, that's very similar to us. We have a wonderful playground. We have a great garden and we've just extended that this year. The beach aren't too far away. Um, and as I say, we've got community members that do lots of things with the children. If there's any rare birds about, if there's whales about, we always get the phone calls and we can go and, we can go and see them. And there's lots of interesting visitors come here, as Fair Isle's quite famous. And 
we take in, we grab any visitors that come to the Isle with knowledge that to share with the children into school. I mean, it's wonderful. I've just realised, I've just realised, sorry, I've just realised for a uh, geography pedant out there that I said Canada's in the Western Isles, which is definitely not, it's one of the, it's one of the small isles just south of Sky, it's definitely not in the Western Isles, so I, I am aware of that, don't write in and complain. <laughs> and just, you know, on that note about, you know, sort of getting to go whale spotting, you know, sort of a bit break time, do you have any um, favourite stories about working on the island or, you know, in terms of the people who the children have got to meet, I guess, as well? We were saying there's lots of interesting visitors. Uh, we had a lovely lady in a few years ago who was doing a study on um, dandelions. I never knew there was so much to know about dandelions. I really didn't. It's just, uh, and it was so interesting. It was so interesting. It was so good. But, um, and one of one of my um, children's, one of my children was late for school one day, well, maybe a couple of years ago. And she had a great excuse because she'd been for a walk and found an owl. And then her dad brought the owl into, into school. I mean, that was just magic. I just absolutely loved that. It was just, I've got great photos of this owl. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you just get, you just wouldn't get that anywhere else, would you, having this owl? I have, you know, a dad walked the warden of the bird observatory, so he, he knew exactly how to handle the, handle the, the owl and was going to bring it. So, uh, just wonderful. We've had so many visitors over the years. It's just great. People want to come and visit. So it's just good. I was wondering as so well, beyond the obvious qualities that anyone needs to be a head teacher, are there any particular qualities that you need to be a head teacher in a place like Fira? Flexibility. It really is the word that we use all the time. My day can get upended because something happens or the plane doesn't come or we don't get something or staffing changes. There's very few of us. So all the staff that work here will change their roles, will help out at the drop of a hat. We all have to be flexible. And uh, I remember, again, thinking back to my trip to Canada a number of years ago, it was striking that, uh, including the, the staff in the school, but uh, everyone on the island had multiple roles. So do you have various roles beyond being head teacher in the school? No, I don't. No, I am. No, this is, this is full-time. Uh, full-time working. I have to say, this, the nurse on the island is the same. She's also full-time nurse and full-time teacher uh, but most everybody else yes has multiple jobs um, yeah I think I saw somewhere that you like I was just wondering what you do in your downtime I saw the meet is there a, a, an island newspaper you help out with a bit sometimes or you do a bit writing for or the children the island news the there are times yes I'm quite involved in that and it's um the children the school children write the front page every week uh school news or their own news so what's the latest headline what's the front page of the latest issue uh, uh well we didn't have one last week because we only just started back to school and uh, today's one this week's one's only just coming in from the children just had uh, so this is uh, this is what summer holidays this week it, um, and probably the whales that they saw yesterday going round around the aisles so uh, and, oh yes, and my PG went fishing, so I've got a lovely photograph of him with a great big mackerel. Great. So that's the, high, that's the highlights of this week's there, this week's paper. <laughs> Who did your P2 go fishing with? Was that something just in his, you know, sort of one time with family, or is that something that actually takes place with the school? No, we don't, no, we don't go off in boats in the school, apart from a big old fishing boat that's um, 
the school trips. So, no, we did that with the family in the summer. So. I see, I see. Can, can, can you tell us a little bit about how things have been for you? Obviously, everybody feels like their lives have been turned upside down and um, in, in, you know, sort of in recent, in the past, you know, sort of 18 months, couple of years because of coronavirus. What kind of impact um, has the pandemic had on a community like your own and a school like your own? And we were maybe a bit more fortunate in some places. Basically, the aisle just shut down. The boat went for provisions once a week. There was a plane once a week to bring in uh, milk and fruit and veg. Um, And we were very, very isolated. I mean, we still haven't had parents into the school for a long, long time, which I really miss. We have minimal staffing and, you know, all COVID measures obviously in place. But the parents haven't been in for a year and a half. Um, and we've been shut as the same as other Scottish schools. Um, and the children did home learning, which was quite, went quite, quite well. And due, I mean, due to that, we've, we've had access to an awful lot of online lessons, which has been quite good. There's a lot of things popped up with offers from a lot of people. Um, so a lot of some uh, quite a lot of really good team lessons, STEM stuff, and with Edinburgh Zoo, where they've had some fantastic stuff. Um, but it's been very isolating, to be honest. We've seen nobody. It's just opened up now. Um, people, but people have had visited in and out, family in and out this summer. So it's it's getting back to normal a bit. It's excuse my ignorance, but were there any cases um, on Fair Isle? No, we've had no COVID cases yet. Okay, okay, that's great. Um, in, in terms of, you know, I think that's really interesting what you were saying about, you know, sort of being able to tap into all of these resources that have been, you know, sort of they've been produced largely, I suppose, because of the pandemic, but almost a school that is, um, will be so often isolated, I, I suppose, like yours. It, it, it must. Can you see that going forward, these are things that you kind of continue to to make use of? Well, I hope so. I hope they're still, you know, I hope they're still offered. I mean, it is important that we get out and the children work with other people face to face. But this, you know, they've had we've had some fantastic um, lessons online just because of COVID that people have started doing, which has been great, absolutely great because we are. You know, we don't have, we can't move people to come in and out of here. We can't afford it for one thing. So, um, no, it's been, it's been very good. In the longer term, you know, what do you think that the challenges are going to be? Obviously, having worked at the school for the period and lived on the um, island for the period of time that you have, you've seen it go through different phases. You know, so as you were saying, you know, whilst you might have three children at the moment, you've gone through phases where there have been, you know, sort of 17. How, how do you see, how do you predict that things will be, you know, going forward? I would hope that the that we get some more children into the school, which would be good. The more families who this sort of life suits, because it doesn't suit everybody. Um, and But if not, these children are just getting a brilliant education and they're so well looked after that, you know, it, it's not, you know, they, yeah, it's great for them. It's, I mean, it's a great place and it's a great school to be in. But a few more children would be quite nice for them to, you know, more children to play with, I think would be good to learn with. 
I mean, Fairham, there's not quite a big place for, for relative to size in the popular imagination because of the, you know, the netware, the, the crime novels, the, you know, the, the RSPP, the birds, uh, and so on. So it's, it's a place that people are aware of. Um, do, do you have lots of, do you have lots of people interested in coming to an island? Uh, do you have to field lots of areas? We, we always would, but people, we always would, but at the moment there is no empty houses. We just, so that there is nowhere for people to come and live. So it's, that's just the case of it. it it's just the way that our population, well, our population here is just aging. And we've got quite a few houses and crofts with single older people in, in them. And it's, it'll, it'll change. It'll turn around at some point. Um, so it's, it's very hard to predict if people will leave or go or, uh, but houses have to become available to take any other families in. But uh, we might get a new nurse who might turn up with quite a few children. The new head teacher may turn up with their own children. It doesn't take much in that battle to completely change the dynamics in the school. Yeah, so you find, do you find Ted's school in cycles and there's the school role? It's not, you know, it's, it's not this. We're both 17 now start to see that's been a continual process. It's, it's, it's up and down uh, over the years. It has just gone right the way up um, and then it's just dropped off again. I mean, at one point we had two plane loads of children going to the high school, um, but those children have all just grown up now. They're all in their 20s. Um, so we just need new children coming in, but we've got a few young, younger people on the island, so you have to hope. And you're due to retire soon, obviously. Um, are you staying on the island after your retirement? Are you? Oh, yes. Hi, yes. I'm not leaving. My husband comes from here and we have a, a croft um, up the road. My husband loves looking after his sheep as well as quite a few other jobs he does. Uh, so, no, I'm not going anywhere. And how will you fill the days when, when you reach that point? Wait, when is that? You actually officially retire? Uh, officially, it's the October holidays if um, the council managed to get appoint a new head teacher. Um, if not, I've offered to stay on until somebody does come. And I don't really know. I'm just looking forward to being able to do what I want, <laughs> when I want. I, and people, people take different approaches to retirement. For some, it's a clean break. For some, it's more of a, a gradual, you know, change. Uh, are, you, are you going to be around to give advice to your successor? Are you happy to still be involved if needs be? I will, I will still be around and I would help out whatever. But I, I'm not going back to any weekly contracted teaching jobs. That's not what I want to do. And what do you think would be the most important piece of advice you could give to whoever it is that takes over from you? Ooh, um, be flexible. <laughs> Come in and take it slowly because it's, it's, it depends who the person is. If they've been a head teacher before, it's going to be a lot easier for them because this is not just a teaching job, it's a head teaching job. Um, and you have all the head teaching on top of the teaching and the planning. So although there's only a couple of kids, they're still very different children and they both have to be planned for. Um, so it's, it's, it maybe sounds, sounds an easier job maybe than it is, I think. You were saying that um, there's one of the children is in nursery. What year are the other two children in that are in the school? They're in P2 and P5. P2 and P5, right. 
So they're very, they're very, fairly different to each other. Um, and last year we had a P7 and uh, she's just left the high school. So we're just busy adjusting to the fact we've lost one of our pupils. That's quite hard when you've had them for years. Uh, and, and how do they tend to find the, how do they, you've got lots of years experience on your belt there. How do you, how do they tend to find the move to secondary school? How do they cope and adapt? They vary. Some find it easier than others, obviously, but none of, they've all stayed. <laughs> we haven't had one back yet. <laughs> Not that we would. I mean, my own two children had to do it and it's really difficult. It's really hard as parents to put them, send them off. Uh, but, you know, they've been the hostel in our high school are just brilliant. The staff, they're also they're well looked after. Um, but it's just hard. It's a hard. But they get, they get to, you know, my children ended up with loads of lovely friends from all over Shetland from being at the hostel. And, you know, then they go off to university. And I think there's been that experience helps them when they go off south to university. And, how did you find it teaching your own children? Pres- because presumably you did. I did, but I tried to not do it very much. That's why I gave up being head teacher in 2000. That was when my children were coming into school. And then I didn't go back to being head teacher again until six years ago when my children were gone. In the intervening years, I have been acting head teacher a few times in between other head teachers and I've just supported the head teachers that we've had. So I tried to keep away as much as I could, to be honest. Because uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice for them to have mum at home, not mum at school, I think. <laughs> they did have me, they did have me and they just keep saying all you ever did was teach maths and Egypt. <laughs> That's what my children would say about me. <laughs> I mean, I haven't told Egypt for many, many years now. I, once they said that, I thought I'm not doing that again. Actually, really funny because we just recorded another podcast with uh, someone who said, what is it about Egypt and primary schools? There's such a fascination with Egypt and primary schools. You know, there are other ancient civilizations out there. <laughs> well, I went to Egypt, so I make sure that... <laughs> but no, evidently, I only ever teach Egypt and maths according to my children. I don't <laughs> And you've had uh, your own children's side, you've had, uh, you know, nearly 30 years worth of children who've been through the school and uh, do most of them tend to come back to Shetland at some point or even to Fair Isle? Uh, no, my daughter is back here in the Fingal, um, which I am delighted about. Um, and my son lives in Darling. And we have no other ex-pupils living back here at the moment. One has been for a while and they all have visited. It depends what they go on to do as a career. Um, because, yes, they have, they have to, you know, one, one of them was always going to be a paramedic and she is still a paramedic, but you can't do that here. Um, so we've got children doing all sorts of jobs all over the place, which is just great. Uh, a big world out there as well but it's great if they go out and then stay away or as long as they come back and visit of course but it and, and it's lovely if they do come home uh so it just depends i think that that's brilliant i mean you've really painted uh, a picture for instance you know sort of what life is like you know in the school and what it's been like for you as being the 
head teacher, albeit on an on-off basis, <laughs> to give your own children the chance and the space to have a, another influence, I suppose, in their lives um, whilst they were going through the school themselves. But that's really fascinating. Thank you so much. That's okay. No yeah, thanks very much for your time. I'd love to come and visit someday if it's, if it's ever feasible in post-COVID world. <laughs> if we ever get rid of the fog. <laughs> oh, it's actually cleared. I don't know if you can see behind me. Do you see in the sheep now, which is what I love. I mean, this is, you know, you don't get much of a better view out of your window than what I've got out of here. Oh, well, that seems an apt time to, to really take off. So thanks very much, Ruth. Really appreciate you taking the time. And best of luck to your successor, Rhea Ritness. Thank you.